0: This is Leah and welcome to this week's hashtag for Paris podcast. It's wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end but for now let's jump right in.
1: Everyone struggles with discouragement. I know I do. And so how do we defeat discouragement? How do we allow our disappointments not to lead us to despair? I think one of the primary things to do is to begin to recognize and to notice the lies that discouragement loves to whisper. I mean, let's be honest. Everybody struggles with disappointments. It doesn't matter how old, doesn't matter how young, it doesn't matter how successful or not successful you may or may not be. It doesn't even matter in terms of what you believe about God. No one is immune from disappointments. The problem is when in the midst of disappointments do we begin to listen to the lies that discouragement loves to whisper in in such a way that it it starts to pull us towards despair? I mean, discouragement is sneaky. It's got a variety of ways that it loves to whisper lies. Like, Like, for example, it loves to take a disappointment and make it bigger than the situation actually is. Maybe you're playing sports and you have a bad game or you miss a shot or you don't score a goal and you're disappointed because your team lost. But then as you think and you reflect more upon it, it's almost that discouragement likes to whisper, well, well, maybe you're not that good. Maybe you really did cost the team the entire game. And suddenly that, that moment of disappointment turns into an even greater scene of discouragement. Or maybe you're doing poorly on a test. And then suddenly, discouragement begins to whisper, well, 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 maybe you're not really that smart. And disappointment turns into something even greater. Or maybe you're struggling at work, and, and you've just, just failed to get that promotion. And absolutely, you're, you're disappointed in the moment, but, but discouragement loves to whisper the lie of, well, maybe you're not very good at your job. And suddenly, it becomes more and even greater than it needs to be. Do you ever see this happening in your life, that in the midst of disappointment lies come from discouragement and begin to seemingly in your mind make it even worse? You see, discouragement is so sneaky that it doesn't only prey on our disappointments, but if we're not careful, it can also prey on our success. I mean, have you ever done something really well and you're feeling really good about yourself and then suddenly you notice someone else has done something better than you? And then even though you've had great success and you're incredibly happy, because you've looked at what they have done, you start to feel a little disappointed and a little discouraged. It's it's amazing what discouragement can do, especially when it partners with comparison it whispers the lie that maybe your success wasn't really that good. Maybe you're not really doing as good a job as you thought. And then suddenly, it's not our disappointment that led us to discouragement. It was actually our success and our achievement. But because we compare to someone else, we're now discouraged, even in a time where we should celebrate. So how do we cut it off? How do we defeat discouragement? So that, so that we don't listen to the lies it wants to tell. Today I want to jump into a portion of the Christmas story. And I don't know how familiar you are with the Christmas story. I'm going to give you a bit of a background, but I want to say as a bit of an aside, sometimes the more familiar we are with the Christmas story, the more unhelpful it can become. Because we, we think we know how it goes and we miss some of the greater details. We know about Mary and Joseph and Jesus being born in the manger, and then shepherds show up, and then wise men show up, and that kind of begins the story. But I want to jump back into it and look at one specific detail that is going to help us not only defeat discouragement, but, but notice the lies discouragement loves to tell in the midst of disappointment. So here's the background. For centuries, God's people had been given this promise of the hope of a Messiah. The one who was going to come and save God's people. The prophets were speaking about it. And and the nation of Israel were, were waiting expectantly for this. And this wasn't a matter of a few days or weeks or months or years or decades. Centuries were passing. And they were still waiting for God to move. Well, God does make his move. And if you know the story, don't ruin it. But if you were about to make your move, wouldn't you want to tell the most important people? Like wouldn't you want to go to the religious leaders or, or the kings or the most powerful and let them know that God was about to make his move? Well, you think so. But that's not how God played it out. He went to a bunch of shepherds. And it's in this encounter that God has with the shepherds that we begin to learn an important thing to do if we want to defeat discouragement and not allow the lies of discouragement to take our disappointments and make them bigger than they need to be. So let's, let's jump into the passage and then look at what does this mean for you and me. I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And this is what we read. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, And what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds returned to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, okay, great story. I know it. Um, I sing carols about it. But how does this help me defeat discouragement? How how does this help me uh, expose the lies of discouragement so that disappointment does not lead to despair? I think it's important to understand the situation of the shepherds. Now, the shepherds in many ways would be like modern day parking lot attendants. It would be a, a job that you wouldn't say, hey, that's what I want to grow up and be. It's incredibly lonely, you're exposed to the elements, it's not overly exciting. And in this day, in the day when Jesus was born, being a shepherd, you were actually looked down upon by society. You weren't allowed to testify in court and you were not allowed to join in many of the religious ceremonies at the temple. And so if you're a Jew, if you're someone who's wanting to be faithful to God, you were kind of on the outside looking in because you were a shepherd. I think in many ways it would have been discouraging. There would have been numerous moments of disappointment, of not being able to worship, of not being able to, to participate in the things that others were doing. And so it would have been a little discouraging. And it's, it's rather interesting that, that God chose to announce to shepherds the coming of the Savior, the coming of Jesus, our Messiah. And so imagine you are one of these shepherds. That, that the angels show up, they announce the glory, they begin singing. You go to Bethlehem, you see Mary and Joseph, you see this baby just as is promised, and you are completely amazed. But then something happens. We're told that the shepherds returned to their flocks. They returned. You may think, what's the big deal about that? And I think the point is this, is that they returned right back to the situation they found themselves in. That even though they had encountered Jesus, and even though they they would have experienced something amazing, their circumstance and their situation did not change. Yet we're told they weren't discouraged. They weren't even disappointed. Actually, they they carried themselves in in such a way that that others were amazed. We're told that they went back praising and glorifying God. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I think when we're in difficult situations, that we almost think if God would just change my circumstance, if God would just change my situation, then I wouldn't be so discouraged. But what happens when you pray or you ask, you desire God to to change your circumstance and nothing happens? Isn't it here that disappointment begins to set in? And, And maybe, just maybe, one of the lies of discouragement is that God doesn't really care about you. And so suddenly your disappointment leads to an even greater despair. And so what what can we learn about the shepherds, about how when they returned to their fields, they were still glorifying and praising God? I believe it was this, that their hope was not in what they do, but rather in what God has done in Jesus. Let me say that again. Their hope was found not in what they do, not in being a shepherd, but rather in what God has done in Jesus. You see, I think a lot of times we are disappointed because we, we find our identity or we, we place our hope in, in the things we do, in the accomplishments we make. And, and when things fall short, when, when we fall short, suddenly we become disappointed. But there's a valuable lesson here from shepherds and take a moment to think about this what is it that you place your hope upon in what you do or in what jesus has done when you go into the early church you start to see that this was the constant message that they would give because so often they were faced with difficulties they, they, they were faced with persecution. They, they were dealing with incredible amounts of suffering. And it would have been so easy to be disappointed and to be discouraged and to believe that, 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 that perhaps God had forsaken them, that God had walked away from them. Which is why they were continually given this message, that to recognize that our hope is not in what we do, but in rather what Jesus has done. That that through Jesus, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, we have this living hope, this this hope that can never be taken from us, Uh, a hope that is not based upon our circumstances or our situations, but it's based upon this this wonderful power of God at work in us through Jesus. It's a hope that that gives us a sense of of purpose, gives us a greater sense of assurance, And so that's why the leaders of the early church continually reminded the people, do not put your hope in the things you do, but rather what Jesus has done. Because that can never be taken from you. That is what will ultimately sustain you. There's one particular leader of the early church, a a guy by the name of, of Peter. He was actually one of those closest to Jesus in his ministry. He was often someone who, you know, would, would, would step out of line or perhaps say the wrong thing. But in this one particular letter to a group of Christians that were struggling, he got it right. He says this in, in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Here, here Paul is, sorry, Peter is speaking into a specific situation where he's like, listen, listen, if you want to have a lasting hope, if you want to influence those around you, then, then set apart Jesus as Lord in your heart. Make him your foundation. Make him your sense of hope. And then be prepared to answer anyone who asks you, what's the reason for your hope? You see, what was happening with the early church is they were facing difficulties, they were in the midst of disappointments, yet they seemed to live with a sense of joy and hope that stepped beyond their circumstances. And so this became their witness to others, is because they lived with such hope, people were like, wait a second, wait a second, why are you not disappointed? Why are you not discouraged? And that's why Peter says, set apart Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, why? Why? Are you so hopeful? I think about the shepherds. People must have been amazed that here are individuals that are often excluded from society. If anyone's going to be discouraged, if anyone's going to be disappointed, it surely should be them. Yet they're the ones praising God and they're still shepherds out in the fields. What an opportunity for them. To say it's because our hope is not in what we do. It's in what God has done in Jesus. So what does this mean for you? What does it mean for me? I love what Peter says. He says, set apart Jesus as Lord. Make him the focus of your life. Make make him the foundation of your hope, so that it's not in what you do, but rather it's in what Jesus has done, and then be prepared to tell everyone. Now often this is a verse that we use to to, to speak about the importance of sharing our faith to others, but everyone also includes yourself, and this is something that I had missed for so long. I think one of the takeaways for us, particularly if we do not want to allow our disappointments to lead us to despair, is we expose the lies of discouragement. So that when disappointments do set in, and they will, we realize that our hope is not in what we do or we failed to do, but rather in what Jesus has done for you for me, that my worth is not in my title, not in my success, not in my accomplishments or even my failures, but it's in knowing what Jesus has done for me. Back to the shepherds, and listen, this could be pure speculation, but I'm sure there would have been days of disappointment. I'm sure there would have been days where discouragement would have begun to set in. And the lies would begin to form of, maybe you're not worth it, or maybe you're not that important. They must have turned back to the hope and been reminded again that it's not what they do, but rather it's what Jesus has done. Back to us. When we think about sharing Jesus with others, with everyone, It only works if they see the reality of the hope that we have in our lives. And so when I think of everyone, maybe it's got to start with me. It's got to start in a place where where I recognize that my hope must be found in Jesus, that I'm going to set Jesus apart as Lord. I'm going to say, Jesus, you are the foundation of my life. Maybe for some of you, that is a step that you need to take. You have tried to find the hope in the things of this world. And in the midst of disappointments, then where do you turn? You see, this is the great thing about faith in Jesus. It means that disappointments will never defeat us. It means that that our failures are never final. That Jesus has the final say. Because our hope is found not in what we do, but rather in what Jesus has done. So what does it starts to look like? I think one of the, the helpful practices is to do a little bit of self-talk. That in the midst of disappointment, when the lies of discouragement begin to set in, remind yourself for the reason for your hope. It's not in what you do. It's not in what you failed to do. But rather, it's in what Jesus has done. That's what we celebrate. In following Jesus. That's what it means to have a hope-filled Christmas. In, in realizing that in the midst of life, in the midst of disappointments, in the midst of discouragement, we will not believe the lies that will lead us towards despair. In my heart, I want to set apart Jesus as Lord. So that I will be ready to tell everyone, myself, included, the reason for my hope. Let's pray together. And so, Lord Jesus, I know too often it's easy to allow disappointments to lead to discouragement, to land us in despair. May we not listen to the lies of discouragement, of turning our disappointments into things that are greater than they need to be. May we remind ourselves that, Jesus, when you are Lord of our lives, when we find our hope in you, that our failures are never final, that you are the one who is always with us. And so may we be people of hope, so that in the midst of life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we're not led to discouragement, rather a greater place of love and hope and trust in you. For we ask of Jesus in your name. Amen. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Now may the Lord turn his face towards you and grant you his hope today and in all your tomorrows. Amen. Mm-hmm.
0: It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb. p r e s b.ca.